What do you have to think about when making big decisions for an internal organization when you have a public company? That you're not going to get it right. (laughs) When everyone is your customer, it's not going to be perfect. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I'm Ben Popper. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good, good. I just finished moving my car. Now that I'm back in New York City, I have to move my car to the other side of the street. These are city people problems. It's not great. I used to have these problems. Now I've got runaway chickens. So, you know. Now you have to move the chickens to the other side of the yard. It's alternate side chicken day. That's great. So, Sarah, we have a great guest today. She is the CIO at Twilio. CIO. What does CIO mean versus a CTO? That's what we'll have to learn. You know, it's one of those things like, are those two things interchangeable? Do they have a history behind them? Not something I'm familiar with. Have you dug into this at all? I've definitely worked with both, but I would love to hear from Michelle. So today we have Michelle Grover, who is the CIO of Twilio, which is a very big company. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, folks. Thanks for the welcome. By the way, I've had the moving from one side to the other problem. The Bay Area also has that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys have alternate side of the street parking? Man, it's nuts. We have street cleaning, which is, and they will essentially just make you move it. And then they sit and wait for you, by the way. They lie in wait. You can see them halfway down the block waiting for eight o'clock to hit. For To give you a ticket? Yep. Yep. He's usually uh, having his coffee and breakfast. I, I wave at him as I go by. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've played that waiting game as well. Sometimes I'll be in the car, you know, just eyeing each other. <laughs> Yeah. You're looking at the time. You're like, which of us going to move first? I still have a minute and a half. I might win. Michelle, welcome to the show. What is a chief information officer? How is that different from a chief technology officer? Yeah. So it depends on different companies, but usually the chief information officer has a lot of your traditional teams like tech services. So the folks that set up your endpoints or your computers and help desk and set up Jira and all the various tools and some of the ERP tools, things like that. That's usually under the purview of the CIO. Chief technology officer usually is more about kind of craftsmanship and software craftsmanship and artisanship is Mm. what I would say. So a lot of times they have the architects on their teams. They help the developers, you know, craft code that's extensible and Mm. scalable. So that would be the difference. I'm more about internal tools. My customers are all the internal customers that work at Twilio. Because they need computers. <laughs> they need to use gotcha. Jira. They need licenses. And then a little twist on that for what's a little bit different at Twilio as opposed to traditional CIOs is I also have like the cloud services organization. So I have, you know, AWS, GCP, various cloud services tools and things fall under me as well as the tech services organization. Ah, oh, that makes sense. So you're overseeing the internal IT making sure everybody has what they need, the software endpoints, and also the cloud services, which so much of the modern software stack kind of runs on. Totally. And then even like, if you think about it, like you have your internal developers, right? And so internal developers need CI, CD, all of those tools, those internal tools they need in order to do their job. So I have a team that actually supports that as well as deployment and SRE and all those kind of traditional DevOpsy types roles. So when I say internal customers, I mean our internal developers, Everybody that comes in that needs a computer, pretty much everybody for that. Do you know how large is the engineering team at Twilio? 
You know, honestly, I don't remember how large our, I know how large our organization is. It's about 5,000 of us now between acquisitions and stuff. But I bet at least half of those are engineering or maybe a third of them. Well, it's between go-to-market and sales actually has a pretty decent-sized org and mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. and development and R&D or the, you know, teams that support the developers as well, right? Because you have product managers, program managers, yep. UX, all of those folks fall under the R&D organization as well. So they probably are pretty close in size. That makes sense. Uh, when you think about need or assessing need and what needs to change for such a big group of developers, how do you identify, you know, what's breaking and, and what needs your focus? Uh, you kind of run around like crazy for a bit um, yeah. while you figure that out. But uh, the way I kind of look at it is my job is to do a certain level of firefighting. But if we're still doing this a few years out, then I haven't done what I what I want. I want to always look for opportunities to automate and make things more sustainable and even just put visibility in, right? A lot of times things break and you need to go back and retrospect on it and figure out what broke. But my goal is to make sure that when things break or something goes awry, we're actually tracking it and figuring out a way to make sure that we find out sooner that it happens before, right? Like if that's kind of the way I look at it, you first go in and you kind of just run around putting out as many fires as you have to. The biggest emergency is the thing that you focus on. But the balance is also trying to make sure that you focus on the long-term ability to make sure that you aren't running around still, that you've actually put some planning in place. Do I need more people? Do I need more systems? Do I need to increase how we do certain things? Do we? Do I work with the CTO to talk a bit about how our developers do certain things and how we support that in order to get some of that firefighting out, if that makes sense? Can you tell us a little about what led you to this role? Have you always been on that side of the house, sort of internal facing, helping people get work done, as opposed to, I think, you know, you made the comparison to the more more craftsman, artisanal approach of writing code on the tech side? Nope. Always been a developer. <laughs> Pretty much not been part of tech services. Uh, last organization, I was SVP there. I had about 300 folks worldwide. I had a mobile team. I had a um, full stack teams, back end, front end, DevOps, QE, SRE, uh, various teams there. And I've always been on that side of the house where I've actually done you know, coding myself and then kind of grown into leadership roles from that. I've done a lot of deployment related stuff, cloud related stuff, infrastructure and data centers long ago, because I, I have a good 30 years under my belt. So I've done a lot of that. And then what brought me here to this role is actually kind of interesting is that they were looking for a CTO. And at my role that I was at uh, previous, it was a great job. Like I'd been there seven years, loved the folks. I was constantly kind of growing in it, but we finally were We'd been purchased by SAP, and it was finally time for us to kind of become part of their, like become a business unit as opposed to a separate entity. So in order to go to kind of next steps, I was already SVP. In order to, you would go to like EVP or like C-suite in SAP proper. So it was more about like, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And so I kind of looked around a little bit, and then I sit on a not-for-profit on a board called um, Tectonica, and their CEO actually works at Twilio. And then I have a really good friend that's also a mentor that used to be our CEO at Concur, and she sits on the board for Twilio. So I knew what Twilio was because we used it in-house at you know Concur and in, in TripIt, but you know like I didn't know what the culture was like or any of that. So I talked to them, saw you know, asked what they thought about it. You're like, is it a great place? Is it crazy? Is it Michelle level crazy? What's going to happen here? 
You know, you have to be honest about these things, where you are, who you are. And they really, everybody was like really like pumped about it. And my friend that's the board member, she, she's of course the most accurate. She's like, they're at the teenager stage. So they still got to get over the hump a bit, but you've seen a lot. So you could bring a lot to, to them. So I went for the CTO role, talked a bit to my now boss about that role and a few other roles. There were some senior, there's some senior vice president roles for a few of the different business units. And then ultimately they, you know, after kind of heard about my background, because I also had cloud and deployment in my purview and I did, I've had help desk as well. They said, you know, would you think about being our CIO? And I was like, really? No. And then I talked a little bit to them about it. And I talked to like our old CTO and CIO at Concur. And they had a similar setup where the cloud services organization, a lot of those, as well as the traditional tech services rolled into one individual. So it's not unheard of. And I'm like, you know, this is fun. It's the marriage of kind of both. It's all my customers, but it's a different customer facing role, right? My other my other roles were all about the customers being very unhappy with us when we did something <laughs> wrong and be going very interesting calls. And now it's internal and they can get to me sooner. If I don't do the right thing, they know how to get to me. Uh, so that that's what kind of got me here. It was a weird kind of windy road, but you know, so far I'm so far entertaining. That's great. And it sounds like it sounds like as part of your role, you help to identify system-wide problems in a way that you are proactively solving them for the future. I imagine, so something I know working with lots of software engineers is that they love problem solving. And I bet you get no shortage of ideas for how to solve problems, but how do you identify, okay, this is a solution that I think will work. This is something that will really help the team versus, okay, that might, we might be, you know, grinding our gears a little bit in that direction. Some of it is going to be trial and error. Some of it is putting certain things in place. That's where being an engineer and experimenting really helps. So sometimes it's a matter of, do I just have to plug this hole for now? (laughs) <laughs> and what is for now? Yeah. For now? For now might be three months to six months, but it's not a year. And so can I solve it by building something? Can we build tools? Can we buy tools? Do we already have tools? A large part of that is my job. And especially it's unique because Twilio did not have a CIO prior to me. So coming in and kind of defining what that role is, kind of making it my own because it's a little bit different because it didn't exist. And then a little bit of the difficulty is everyone, or not everyone, a lot of people have had a CIO at their previous organization. Their mental model of what that looks like versus what it's probably going to look like for us is going to be a little different, right? So <laughs> some parts of just figuring which problems I can jump in on. I can't take all of them right now or I wouldn't be successful and kind of figuring out which ones make the most sense for now which ones need certain tools, which ones will have to wait till 2022 maybe, and we just have stop gaps. That's a lot of my job. And and the best thing I can do to kind of set myself up for success right now is just getting the right people in place and kind of doing some org changes to, to get us really kind of prepared for the future, honestly. So Michelle, I had a question, which is that Twilio is kind of an interesting place in the world of technology in that it interacts with some of the, you know, very old systems or the telephone networks Uh, you know, the world of SMS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was that something that you had to learn about when you came on? Was that something that you had experience in? And, you know, what's that been like? Sort of working at a company where you're at the cutting edge of what mobile apps are able to do, but also in some ways, you know, a much older network. Yeah. So I, many, 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 many moons ago, I worked for a paging company called Pactel, which was part of Pacific Telesis which eventually became AirTouch and eventually became Verizon very far down the line. 
but they were also for a while part of uh, WorldCom and MCI. Yeah, Verizon, little company. Yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> Just a little. But have you heard of the other ones? <laughs> That's the thing. Have you heard of the trail that was made for them? Um, so I've, I've worked in, in telecom, you know, and that type of mobile prior to mobile <laughs> paging, you know, many years ago. So I do have that experience. And a lot of, funny enough, a lot of those systems still exist because that's how telecom is, right? Like a lot of just the core systems still exist. They're sometimes a little bit shaky, but they still work. And so coming in to Twilio is really fun because you get a lot of the new stuff, right? Like, you know, Jeff's thing is always, you know, ask your developer, like the fact that we enable developers to do what they need to do without having to write huge amounts of code and actually be able to sit on top of our network is pretty amazing. But down in the guts of it, you still have a lot of that same infrastructure and a lot of the, you know, FCC regulations and all those things still exist. So it's kind of playing both worlds, right? You have the cool cutting edge and then you got the hang on, we're not ready for the cutting edge, you know? So then you have the FCC (laughs) kick in, like, wait, folks, hold your horses. How are you supposed to do this? So it is kind of mirroring both of those two. Twilio is a publicly traded company. I imagine that adds a lot of pressure to you as a lot of the things that you do need to be very transparent. Mm-hmm. As a lot of your customers are internal customers, like you said, what do you have to think about when making big decisions for an internal organization when you have a public company? That you're not going to get it right. <laughs> when everyone is your customer, it's not going to be perfect, right? Because I'm not going to get anything. If I pick a tool, it's not going to be the tool that everybody wants. There's going to be tools that people are very comfortable with. There are systems people have had experience with. And so I, I try to make sure, even when I talk to my team, it's a lot less about making sure everybody is happy and making sure that we kind of make decisions that everyone can use, if that makes more sense. You know, it's I can't go for 99% satisfaction. My NPS score probably is not going to be that when I run it you know, later in the year, there, there's going to be things we get wrong. But what I try and look for is what did we get wrong? Is it that it's someone really likes this other tool or this type? You know, you have the person wants MacBook, the other people want Chrome, some want old HP laptops or different, you know, there's, there's always someone's personal preference. And how do we accommodate that personal preference, but also think about the things that we have to do for the company and kind of the greater good of everyone involved. So it's never going to be perfect. No one is ever 100% happy with me, but I try to still listen to the customer. They are my customer. I try to make sure that even if it's not exactly what they want, I'm solving the problems and saving them time so they can focus on their real job, which is not worrying about this computer or if the computer goes down, that's that's really impacting them, their ability to get their work done. So you mentioned you worked at a telecom, you know, worked overseeing mobile development, mobile app development, now a CIO role. Do you personally have a favorite area that you like to work on when you're not at work, whether that be mobile development or web backend, maybe do some hardware engineering like Sarah in her spare time? Is there something that's sort of your favorite area too when it comes to computer science or engineering? I still like backend. It's funny because I can actually draw, but I am not a front end person. It drives me bonkers. Just <laughs> the idea of JavaScript makes me sad a lot. 
was just not Uh-oh, Sarah. <laughs> and I'm that trying. That's what makes you sad. I tried really hard <laughs> to, to really, really like it. It's just not my thing. Though I appreciate it. All right, it. Michelle, we'll schedule some time later and I'll yeah, we'll evangelize have an no, to you. No, everybody's tried. <laughs> it's not worked. No. <laughs> um, but so I do like backend. The most fun I have, though, is so I, you have a 15-year-old son and I spend time with him. And then, you know, he's now in high school, but we used to, when he was in middle school and we weren't doing COVID stuff, we would go, I'd go to the school and volunteer with them and we'd play with Raspberry Pis and set up systems and just simple systems. And what I think is the thing that as a developer that we lose a lot is the fun part because we're so, you know, your day in and day out is more meetings than it is really coding. You know, I don't code at all now. And so sometimes I just need that, and I don't know if you folks are the same, you just need that reminder of why this was fun in the first place. Mm -hmm. And just kind of sitting Mm. and tinkering with something that doesn't have any repercussions, (laughs) right? It's just kind of fun. If I mess it up, I mess it up, but it's fun. If I said it, I can laugh at each other and make jokes and do stuff. And it's, it's, it's kind of a nice, cathartic way of saying, okay. I'm not going to lose anything. And so at some point I will do, when I actually have some free time, I'm going to create an app on our platform for Twilio, but I haven't had a chance yet. Twilio and hardware is very fun. I hear There's that. All kind of, yeah. I just haven't messed with it yet because, you know, I keep getting calls for all kinds of other things in my day job. I've worked with a lot of kids and teenagers coding And I found that when it comes to the building things in a physical space, like hardware, it becomes so much more real to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because they can see it. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. That that must be a cool bonding experience. It is. And just making kind of goofy things. We used a 3D printer and we printed up this like giant mouse once (laughs) just because and put wheels on it and used some popsicle sticks and stuck it to like a Raspberry Pi board. And I don't know what we were doing. It kind of worked for like a whole day and then it stopped working, but it was still fun. Wow. Maybe the Python will come back around someday. Right. Just you wait. Like, yeah, it's coming back. And let me tell you, my son is not thrilled with coding. He knows how. He's been coding since he was younger. He he knows Python because he has uh, Minecraft. So, I, you know, we would do that as an exercise, you know, with program mods. But at, at 15, he just cannot be bothered. Like, the best I can do is to get him to sit down and kind of play with, you know, the Raspberry Pis, but getting him to sit and physically code, he looks at me like, oh, no. (laughs) Michelle, as you think of, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to the podcast that, you know, have career goals and being CIO for a company like Twilio would be something amazing that they'd love to do. For those folks that are listening and kind of thinking about this as their path, what would you advise them? What would you tell them to focus on? You know, the the funny thing is, and, and it's funny because I just did a, kind of an internal panel for um, our Black Twilions group and, and did a fireside chat, and we kind of talked about that. And everyone always says, like, oh, you know, it's such a rare thing to have, you know, women, let alone minorities, at some point in, in C-suite. But I never thought about this. <laughs> no, you know, I was not a little kid that sat with aspirations of being in the C-suite. That's not how it works. So I take that to heart, and I tell people that, The windy road to what you want to do is filled with things you had no idea you wanted to do. And so instead of looking at the end, try things. Like I wouldn't have been, I went to school for architecture. I didn't plan to be an engineer. I I can code and I could code and, and I did basic and Fortran and assembler and all that in high school. But I didn't want to code. It was not ideal and nor was it something I particularly cared about, though I was good at it. And so 
the fact that I, but I would try something new and it would be interesting. You're like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And it would lead to something else and it would lead to something else. And, you know, you kind of just got here. And so taking chances is really a part of it. Trying something and seeing if you like it, looking for people who do it really well to advise you that sometimes your peers and sometimes there are folks coming in a level below you that know something. So always looking for opportunities to do something new or somebody that does something well and learning from that is the best growth potential that you can get. And honestly, not being so caught up on the title. The The title was interesting, but with this title comes a huge amount of work and responsibility. And if I did mm-hmm. not enjoy what I did, the title wouldn't mean much. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. And now you have faith that someday your son will think coding is interesting again because you said as a teenager during college, it didn't interest you anymore. So I know. See? Just follow what interests you. See, it might. Like, yeah. Like, this is why I'm like, just, I keep telling them, like, I don't, like, whatever you think works for you, kiddo. Mom supports it. You know, give it a shot and try it. I'm totally there for it. All right. Well, that means it's that time of the episode where I shout out a lifeboat badge winner. That's somebody on Stack Overflow who answered a question with a score of negative three, got it up to a score of 20 or more, awarded one hour ago to trying to learn Python. Can't assign to literal. So if you're interested, if you've had the same era, we'll put it in the show notes, give you a little help. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can email us at podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review. That's great. I'm Sarah Chips. Director of Community at Stack Overflow. You can find me at sarahjo.eth. And Michelle, who are you and where can we find you on the internet? I am Michelle Grover, CIO of Twilio. And you can find me on, I'm on everything, LinkedIn, Twitter, (laughs) just about anything. (laughs) But totally reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I get folks that reach out all the time after these and I do try to connect with them. But just let me know that you you heard it on the podcast. 